probably one of those women who doesn't like to give out her number. No, I'm not. Here you go. <laughs> six four six. It's a new area code. What area? N new Jersey? No, no, it's right here in the city. It's the same as two one two. They just multiplied it by three, and then they added one to the middle number. It's the same. Do I have to dial a one first? I'm really kind of seeing somebody. Yeah. Well, so am I. Hello and welcome to the place to be, a Seinfeld podcast. I'm your host Adam, and I'm Eric. On today's episode, we welcome Marcus Flanagan. Marcus has appeared in a number of films and TV shows, including Better Things, CSI, Rogues of L.A., Supernatural, Unfabulous, Melrose Place, That 70s Show, Will and Grace, Northern Exposure, and The Morning Show. But Seinfeld fans will always remember him for rejecting Elaine because she had a 646 area code in the classic season nine episode, The Maid. And we're so glad he can join us today. Thank you for being with us, Marcus. Well, oh, gentlemen, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I... I have the first question. How old are you? <laughs> uh, I'm 31. Okay, so this series, you grew up, you were a teenager watching this? Well, well, me personally, I didn't start watching it until, really watching it until like the DVDs came out. That's oh. when I was a teenager, so like early 2000s. Okay. I mean, I watched it here and there on TV, like in reruns. But yeah. Eric was the one that watched it live. <laughs> yeah, and I'm 33, so I'm a little bit older, so I remember it a little more. But my parents used to watch, and I remember especially the last few episodes of the series, I definitely remember very clearly. And obviously your episode is one of those, so... Right. Thank you for the right. memories. Thank you for the laughs. I, oh, I definitely. <laughs> that's really that's really flattering. I'm. Uh, um, oh well, I mean, I can tell you the story right away. But um, ask away. Ask your question. Whatever, however you want to go about it. <laughs> okay. So since your episode of Seinfeld was one of the last episodes of the series, did you audition for any other roles before your appearance in The Maid? Okay, great. So that was. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to start with. So there was this lovely casting guy named Brian Myers who was in charge of uh, the casting, right? I guess you guys know his name, but so I did. I I uh, I can't remember what role, but it was a um, couple of guys earlier, but for season season five, season six, something went in there. And uh, gosh, I thought I had it. I didn't have it, and uh, love the show. So I I knew Brian, and he was a nice enough guy to you know, to talk to me directly. Sometimes the actor casting director relationship isn't a direct um, thing. You always go through the agent, but he was really nice. And I would just harass him every year. You know, <laughs> there's got to be something. And he, you know, Marcus, there's just, I mean, they just go for quirky people and, you know, they're older than you or they're, they're different, their accents. They have, and I kept thinking, come on, that role that I read for is the last guy like me, you know? Uh, so then you start to say things like, I can be taller. You know, I can be Russian. I can be anything. And then I get a call. Brian Myers on a Saturday morning. And I mean, like 830 in the morning or something. And he says, hey, this is it. There's an audition today. They just wrote the role. It's today and it's in an hour. So I need you to get here to CBS Radford to audition for the show. And I said, oh, God. All right. So, wow. Well, curiosity, uh, curious, uh, how many how many guys are you calling? And he said, I have eight on my list. I said, how many have you reached? 
And he said, uh, just two. I'm getting either, you know, voicemails or no answers. And I said, all right, stop calling everyone else. Leave it alone. I got a 50-50 <laughs> shot. I got a 50-50 shot if you stop calling. And he said, the odds are good. It's just going to be the two of you. I can't reach anyone. Everyone's out. So, you know, get dressed, hop in the car, go down to Radford, walk in. Sure enough, just me and another guy, an actor I don't remember. And, um, you know, it's early Saturday morning and the, the lot is empty. You walk into there and there's Jerry. And um, it wasn't Larry David, or was it? Gosh, I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering now. I don't think it was Larry David. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was him and, the, and, a, and another guy, another writer. And, um, you know, hey, good morning. Hey, wow. You know, thanks for coming in late notice. No, no, no. It's great. Yeah. So go in, do the thing, wave outside, you know. Um, the other guy goes in, you know, okay, guys, thanks for coming in, you know. And I'm driving home thinking, come on, man, come on. Brian says, yep, man, hey, you got the job. You're going to work Monday, you know. So it was a, it was a last minute thing. Uh, they had to have a cast because you're working very quickly. Um, doesn't happen often like that, but that was amazing. So I thought, God bless either my persistence or Brian Myers just remembering, you know, here's to get this guy off my my back. But anyway, I, that's how I got re what I felt was really lucky in um, being home on a Saturday morning and answering the phone without, you know, waiting for it to go to voicemail and checking it later. It was just amazing. Well, you know, all those other actors right now are thinking, God, that was the call I missed. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, so so that's how it came about. But I had maybe twice before in the run of the season uh, of all the other. Um, um, and that was it, you know, season nine. And I think mine was the third before the finale, second or third before the finale. Uh, and I felt like, God, I got it. I made it. I'm just under the wire. I just made it. And it was massive for me to think I was on because we all knew at the time this is. TV changing television. This is this is, you know, genre changing sitcom. And it to be a part of it was every actor's, you know, want is to be part of something that has great value in the landscape. You do a lot of, a lot of episodes that mean nothing. Um, they just move the story forward and everyone else. But to be on a series that really did change the way everyone viewed sitcom um, and their humor was just five star. You know, it was just always funny, always funny. So I felt really lucky. Brian was a great guy to me for that. Was there anything you added to the character or anything you did in the audition that really stood out to them? No, I think I just hit the beats. I, I think I just did it the way I did it. I mean, I did grow up in Philly and New York and New Jersey. That was my, you know, um, and there was that, you know, actually in L.A., there's the 818 and 310 uh, stereotypes and prejudices, you know, so everyone gets it. But uh, I think I just understood the humor of the show. And I'm, I'm a, you know, was really enthusiastic. And um, uh, that no, nothing special, nothing special other than <laughs> I, I think I understand the humor and and I was lucky I got it. Yeah. Well, your delivery was fantastic when you're like, what area? N New Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's actually what I did. That's right. I did that in the, uh, yeah, actually, maybe that's true. Maybe it's true. I came up with the grimace or grimace of uh, <laughs> of New Jersey. It being, you know, yikes. Ugh. It wasn't just a question. It was, oh, no, I'm not dating a Jersey girl. And um, <laughs> the shame she had to show for that, you know. Yeah, I think I did that. Um in the audition. Yeah, sounds right. Sounds right. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's nice to hear. So what was your reaction when you were told you got the part and what did you do after that? Oh, it was 
you know, just one of those euphoria moments of you, you, look, as an actor, you, you, you try to have some plan, you try to have some trajectory for your career and you, and, and it's just so happenstance, but it's one of those days where it comes together, where, you, you know, you tried, you kept yourself available. You persisted with casting. You kept the vision out for God. Please send me, please. I just would love to, because I watch the show every week and I'm jealous of how much fun and humor they get to they get and so when i got it it was just a complete hands in the air you yes yeah oh my god it happened because the clock was ticking there was only three more episodes we all felt like we're never getting on this show damn you know and and there it was and i got in you know wow i'm one of the chosen that just happened to be you know like i say keep yourself available and good things happen and yikes that's what it really was the relief of a plan worked so much doesn't work as an actor, but this plan worked. Ah, yeah. And to be, you know, on a show that big. I mean, I did Friends as well. I guess I did that. I can't remember what the order was. Friends were signed. I can't remember, but it just wasn't as big a deal. Friends was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a good show to do. I, I, yeah, it's funny. And it's you know, OK. But Seinfeld was just to me. Wow. Wow. I made it on something brilliant. Wow. OK. Yeah, I always love talking to actors who were fans of Seinfeld before they appeared on the show because you can just tell how much it meant to them. Because the actual experience was in itself completely unique. And I'm not bragging when I say I've done a lot of episodes of television and a lot of episodes of comedy television. And it's a fragile business because everyone thinks they know comedy better than the next person knows comedy. But ultimately, the performer has to do something funny or you don't get the laugh. And I've been directed in, you know, with so much noted to the point where you don't feel funny or you don't even feel like you're speaking English because you're being, you know, pressured to, to do it in a way they see as funny. Comedy comes out of the doing and, and it's either funny or it's not. But trying to finesse another human being into funny is a really touchy business. And uh, this show and I got to say, it's from the top down. It's it's the show. Any any guy like me that goes on a show that is there for the week or the day, you immediately get the feeling of what the set is like. And the set is a direct reflection of the the guy or girl running it, the person running it, the higher ups. And it trickles all the way down to the mood on the set. So. If that mood is all about collaborative, we're making the funniest show possible, you feel it. You feel it. There's this freedom to try things and everyone's willing to laugh and everyone's willing to try. And the other ones are, you know, it's very controlling. Everyone's angry. Everyone's walking around pointing fingers. And, you know, if something doesn't go right, everybody is dying to point at the bad guy. And, you know, as the guy that's only there for the day, very often the finger goes to you. You're the low man. So I've been in many scenarios like that. And right from the word go, should I just tell you about the work day? Are we up to that or what should I do? Oh, yeah, go for it. All right. So I'll tell you what happened. Um, nothing, nothing like this has ever happened. I, I consider Seinfeld the top one or two working experiences of my whole career. It was just perfect. And it doesn't happen again unless the person at the top makes it that way. So. Um, they knew they had a special show and they knew they had people walking in that were big fans and they treated you that way there was no fake laissez-faire we're too cool for school don't talk to the celebrities don't look at anybody and i guys i promise you i've been on those shows where the ad pulls you aside and says please don't talk to the lead character he really doesn't like that and you think oh boy 
this is a great show. We're all actors, but no, there's a hierarchy. So you walk down uh, on Radford and there's the big you know, door that has this logo on it uh, on the studio. And you walk in and I walk in and there is the first AD. His name I don't remember, but really nice guy standing there like he's got all day just hanging out. And as I walk up to him and the procedure when you walk on to a new job is you find the first person with a walkie talkie in their earpiece and you say, hey, you know, I'm Marcus. I'm checking in. Can you find somebody in the AD ranks to tell them I'm here? And and um, and that's you know, you never know who you're talking to in a walkie, but they always say, yeah, hold on. Hey, somebody, guys, you know, all right, somebody will meet you here in a minute. And that's generally how it goes. So I walk up to this guy. And I say, hey, and he goes, Marcus. I said, yeah, well, that's great. And he goes, how you doing? And again, I don't remember his name, but he says, I'm first AD, man. Come on in. And I have never been greeted that casually by anyone, A, but B, the first, it was amazing. So, hey. And he says, uh, you hungry? (laughs) Yeah, maybe I could have you. He's like, yeah, come on over. Let me show you. uh, let me show you. Now, this is just craft service, but Jerry really likes breakfast, so we can get you something from the catering truck or you can eat here. Guys, there was a buffet there, and I don't know if you've heard this story before by, by other people, of course, but it was the single greatest craft service breakfast buffet ever. What <laughs> catering would do opposite of this? I don't know. In addition to this, I don't know. I'm not kidding. 25 boxes of cereal, and they're all <laughs> displayed, right? At the, on the top row and then you know oatmeal and eggs and and i i look you know i'm paid and i look at the ad with just wonder in my eyes and he says yeah yeah jerry really likes breakfast yeah but i thought cereal he really likes cereal he goes yeah yeah he really likes cereal yeah so you want to grab something i said yeah and he said go ahead uh, you know and he's waiting on me i was like what you're gonna you're gonna wait he said sure said, this is odd they never have time they never have so um i get my food and he says to me, all right, let's take a walk. And we're walking. And he says, uh, all right, come on over here, man. Um, this is the apartment. I'm going to show you the apartment. You want to see it, right? I said, yeah. And he says, hey, man, you got a camera? You want to come through the door like Kramer? Go ahead. I'll take a picture of you. You want me to video? You want me to, you know? And I said, really? And he goes, yeah, everybody wants to. You don't have to ask. You can do it. And I said, now, guys, I thought immediately, yeah, I want to do it. But when he said it, I got too cool. And I was like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> And I I don't have to do what everyone else wants to do. I'm too cool. And he goes, come on, let's let's go to the diner. And, you know, he walked down and there's the diner set. He goes, go ahead, sit in the booth. I'll take a picture of you. And again, I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine, guys. I'm fine. And I really now wish I had those pictures of me on the set. But at the time, I was like, no, guys, I'm cool. I'm cool, man. I'm cool. So he then says, look, um, you're you're part of the cast this week. You're welcome to any and all rehearsals. There's no barriers. You have your script. Everyone will sign your script for you. Just ask. There's no, you know, um, sit in as long as you'd like, hang out as long as you'd like. My shot was shot exterior on the lot because it's the exterior of the building. So I would not be, I'm I'm in a pre-shoot that will be shown during the evening's filming, right? But um, I won't be part of the studio audience filming. That's why I'm in early and I'm going to do this shot. They're not even filming the show yet. They're still rehearsing, right? You know how a sitcom works. You rehearse, 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 and then you shoot on the fifth day, right? So, but mine is just going to be shot. There's no five days rehearsal. So, because it's an exterior and we just go right around the corner on the Radford lot and there's the New York City street that they use. And so 
I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, really? And, he's, and the AD says, yeah, anybody? And they'll all sign your script and you'll probably want to get it signed and keep keep it, you know, hang on to it. And um, ask anybody anything you want, you know, you're not in the way. Guys, it just doesn't happen that way. It's just no one does that. No one says, hey, we're the number one show in the world. Welcome. Anything you need, let us know. You're not in the way and you're a team member. It just doesn't happen unless somebody at the top says, this is how you get, this is the community I want. This is the show I want, the environment I want. This is how you get really good comedy. Everyone's light, everyone's easy, everyone's free. So I sat and I watched the rehearsal and I thought the script I read was funny. I mean, I thought that is funny. And then in the rehearsal, I watched them come through the door. Uh, Kramer came through the door and they were they were arguing about he had to get something back. God, I'm forgetting. But um, while he was doing it, Kramer opened up a bottle of um, uh, soda water. And as he was talking, it overflowed and, <laughs> and it overflowed. And they all looked at it. And then, you know, there was this moment of he looked at it and everyone laughed and they said, OK, keeping that. So every time he had to open it up and make it overflow because they like the bit. And I thought, oh, they're wide open. Anything they're doing right now is on the table. This is great. And then same thing happened with the dialogue. They tried different tries with the dialogue. And I thought the script was funny. I thought that's a great scene. And they improved on it by doing it and then trying this and trying that. And I watched it happen. And I thought, oh, that's why it's the best show. That's why it's funny. They just keep working. They just keep working. So it's um, no egos. Everyone's here for the comedy. And I felt like really comfortable. I didn't feel like an intruder, you know, and I did. I walked up and I got. I have three of the four signatures. I forget who I'm missing, but I never got. I think I didn't get Michael Richards because he was just rehearsing. and I didn't want to interrupt. And then I had to go do something. And when I got back, he was gone. And then the next day it was just a I missed him. So I think I have all but him on the script. So I'm an incomplete script guy. I got to meet him somewhere, I guess. Uh, but that's the big suggestion. Can I sign my script on some sets? No, they make money on that. They're not going to sign it for you. And he says it up front. And it was like, here's the checklist of all these fears of, the, of being the new guy. We're taking all your fears away. Here you go. So that was my experience getting there. And then it just kept going from there. And then and then just the feeling of working and, and the environment, it just kept going from there. So that's why I say it was the best, absolutely the best working environment. I mean, in the top three for sure. But on a sitcom, absolutely the best uh, working environment. And it gave me the awareness that if the best show in the world, I mean, currently the funniest show in the world can operate like this, why can't they all? Why, why can't every show be this fun and easy? And so it's a testimony to the talent of everybody in it, that they work loose and they become funny. Uh, but it's also a testimony of um, the trust that they put in everybody that they hire not to micromanage and make people crazy about what they think is funny and how they're going to, you know, improve the show. And uh, so I'll wait for your next question because I can ramble for quite a while. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. And I think that's really what makes Seinfeld such a special show as well. Like we've talked to so many people and they have such wonderful things to say about their behind the scenes experiences and how much better and how much, more relaxed it was than a lot of other experiences. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think that's really what, yeah, I think that's really why Seinfeld stands the test of time and why it was such a special show. So what was your experience like performing with Julia and that scene you had with her? Okay, so I meet her in hair and makeup. And she's stunning. She's just stunning. And you try and be cool 
because I've seen her on TV, but in person, I thought, oh, she's just stunning. Wow. And then this easy, comfortable, now we're in the chair side by side, which is often the case. You're getting ready um, uh, for the same shot. So they're putting you to, you know, hair and makeup together at the same time. And then again, there's always that thing. Sometimes celebrities do it only in their rooms. They don't do it in the uh, general room because they have their personal person do it and they come out and they shoot and they go. But no, she's sitting in the room and we end up sitting and talking very easily, like old friends, about our kids. You have kids? Yeah. And we talk about family and kids. And all I could think while I was doing it was, this girl's amazing. She's so lovely and comfortable. Wow. And I happen to think she's dead attractive and sexy and funny, funny, funny on the show. And here we are um, discussing, you know, early childhood food, you know, sleeping routines, you know, how old, do you, what games do you play when you go on play dates? Well, this is so lovely. And um, it just made me adore her because it was um, like uh, any other friend you would have had had, you know, for a long period of time uh, on the moment you meet her. The moment I met her, she was like this old friend that was just chatting me up about my life and open to me, you know, and open to talking about her version of whatever the subject was. Um, often in those situations, it's that very safe and, you know, Hollywood actor plasticky conversation about, you see that movie? Amazing. He's amazing. Oh, this director's amazing. Oh my God, it's amazing. They're so good. Have you been working? That show's amazing. And I thought, wow, no, we're talking about kids and stuff that matters. And she listened to the answers. It wasn't like she was placating me for the sake of, you know. So again, that was, um, I don't know, it was exciting. It was just exciting because then it helps you walk out of there and go do the shot. And, you know, I know they'll have dialogue. I know what I'm going to do that day. And and so we just walk over side by side and chat. And then we get there and there's Jerry. And we're on the set, you know, outside the bagel place. You can stand here. You can stand here. Interrupt her here. Stop her here. Okay. And then we'll do the dialogue. And we'll step away. Okay, great. So, hey, guys, we ready? Yeah, let's take one. Right, let's do it. Now, there is a director, but there's also Jerry on, you know, holding his script. And um, was it Andy Ackerman that directed that? Maybe it was Andy Ackerman. And, yes. Um, okay. And, um and then the writers and then other writers, they're all sort of standing out on the on the lot watching this and, you know, stop her here. Uh, you're going to be talking and she's going to look and OK. So we do um, a first take and I do the bit, you know, oh, what is that jersey? Mm, you know? <laughs> and uh, and Jerry laughs over my shoulder and I get this sense of enormousness and euphoria that the, one of the bigger compliments of life just happened that I made Jerry Seinfeld laugh. Ultimately, he might be laughing because that's where the laugh comes for the laugh track on the show or something, but I might've made him laugh. Either way, my ego says, you just made Jerry laugh. Wow. Right. So cut. Okay, good. Let's hold for a second. Jerry walks in. He talks to Julia, walks back out. Let's go again. Okay. We do it again. Ah, Boom. Jerry laughs. Cut. Jerry walks back in, talks to Julia. He walks back out and I say, what what's going on? No notes. I'm not getting notes. She gets all the notes. No notes for me. And Jerry says, no, you don't want notes. No notes is good notes. Don't ask for notes. No, no, you don't want notes. And I said, oh, that means I'm doing good. You're doing very good. Very, very good. Said, OK, you're funny. OK, I feel funny. You're very funny. That sort of thing. And rolling. And we do it again. And I got maybe five takes, four or five takes. It really didn't take much. It just, and they said, you know, again, stop, go back to her, 
little, little tweak, come back, come back. Yeah, <laughs> never got a note. And every time she was just a little different, but this just, no, it's a two. And then you add the, the uh-huh, yeah, I'm seeing somebody. I am too. And so, you know, walk away and my little bit is done. And every time I get Jerry to give a chuckle and then they all say, okay, we're going to go back to Lilla, back to the studio guys. And now they start to, you know, pull the equipment and everyone's going away. And, uh, and I, I stand there for a second, just reflecting. Wow. All right. My Seinfeld thing happened. I got it in four takes, I think. And I look over at Jerry and I say, so we think, you know, that was it. We got it right. I mean, it's good. We got it. He goes, Oh no, absolutely. Listen, there are guys here. This show's ending, right? But there are guys, all these writers here watching. They're going to go on and have their own shows. They all have projects going. They all watched you. And I mean, you're very good. They're going to get some interest from these people. You did really well here today. It's going to, it's going to do, uh, you're going to be very good for after this because a lot of people here watched it and, it and you're funny. It was really good. And I say, oh, wow, thanks. You know, and now I feel the meter running. And I say, so, but Ali's coming up, huh? And he says, oh, yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, all the equipment's being pulled away. Everything's being taken back to the lot and they're all moving. Jerry Seinfeld is standing stone still, just looking at me. And I feel like he's about to say, well, look, I got to go because we're, and he's looking at me and I say, so the, yeah, the, so that finale must be, I mean, it's going to be, wow, it's enormous, huh? And he says, yeah, and I, go, I, I, I guess you have to go, huh? They, they probably want you to leave. And he just stands stone still and looks at me and goes, yeah, they need me, but you know, I got a minute. And ah. I was so impressed. I was so shockingly impressed that. And there was nothing in his body that betrayed it. He had nowhere else to be. He was standing with me and it was so gracious. Right. And there was this lovely connection of but we're talking. And so I say. So you I didn't realize you were. As we say in the script, which means watching and noting and stuff. Have you been in, on every page of every episode? for 10 years? And he said, yeah. And I said, so you're exhausted. He said, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm really exhausted. I said, I didn't realize. And he said, oh yeah, no, that's that's how we do it. And he said, wow, well this finale, this thing's gonna be massive. This thing's gonna be huge. It's gonna be so funny. And he said, oh, well, you never know. That's what comedy is. You just throw it out there and hope. And I was knocked over because Everyone in Hollywood likes to claim they know what works, especially people on a hit show. They love to stand you up and say, you know why this is a hit? Because we this and that was and we're geniuses and we and that's why. Here's the guy that is says, who, of course, started stand up. But he says we're the number one show. Right. We all know that. But his comment was, here's why comedy works. And. You got to throw it out there with full faith and you don't know, but that's why comedy works. You just keep tossing out your best thought, your best ideas and the bravery in that for them to go into the pressure they were under to deliver an enormous right conclusion to the best, most original. And for him to be that casual with me, oh, no, same rules applies the first day. You throw it out there and hope. I was so impressed. And I thought, oh, he's definitely born and bred in comedy. But that at this point, his success and the pressure from the studio and the millions and millions, right, of advertising dollars of it on never pressurized him into changing the rules on comedy. And that's why it stayed funny. That's why it stayed so easy on the set. 
He ran it like, we don't know. Stop acting like you know. Don't act on it. Don't get precious. Don't get so, so specific and in the weeds that we lose the fun of comedy. In that sentence, oh, you never know. And I said, oh, you don't know? And he said, no. I thought, that's amazing. That's just amazing. So I said, well, I'm going to watch some, some of the taping. I said, of course. Yeah, of course. You're welcome. Yeah, please hang out. I said, really, man, this was a great day. And he said, we're really glad you came. Thanks so much, man. Really, really. I said, okay. And he had a bicycle and I was on foot. So he gets on his bicycle and he rides away. And I walked back to the studio basically alone, just smiling and thinking that was a rare moment with Jerry. And A, I made him laugh. But B, he gave me this huge lesson about getting ahead of yourself or thinking that you can capture lightning in a bottle every week by forcing it. You know, you have to just accept there's a process and you try and you trust the people around you. And that's what everyone did from the AD to Julia to the hair makeup. They just everybody trusted everybody and had this communion feeling of we're trying this. We're trying this out. We're trying this. No tension. And I've been on, I mean, mediocre shows where they've told me to use my right hand instead of my left because my right was funnier. I'm not kidding. I got that note. Your right hand is funnier. Use your right. I mean, what? Okay. <laughs> you know comedy. I don't. I'm going to place that down with my right hand. Now they're laughing. Left hand, dead silence. You know, stupid stuff. And here's this show. So it was a massive um, environment and experience for me. And not, you know, probably the middle of my career. Middle, I would say. I forget what year it is. But really good. And the presence of Jerry also, again, said, you know, if he can be like that in the whirlwind of being the most compensated and discussed and celebrated um, sitcom actor slash writer of our you know, immediate time, if he can be this genuine and easy and comfortable and gracious, why can't they all? Why can't they all? If, if there's an environment for I mean, the idea that we all have to be um, these, you know, driven, uh, hard nosed disciplined guys that come down hard, but then you love them later for their brutal tactics that made you better. That idea, uh, he just blows that up, completely blows that up. And no, no, if you let everyone be themselves and you choose the right people, you get great stuff. And I just, again, feel really super lucky that he chose me uh, and I got to be that guy. And, um, you know, I appreciate your compliments on it. It very simple part, but I, I feel like I did it right. And I, don't think in a million years I'd actually dump Elaine, no matter what her. I mean, there's just no matter what you'd look at her and say, no, you know, she's <laughs> extra. She was just dynamite. Very pretty in person. Really pretty in person. Um, yeah. Lovely. Lovely. Wow. I get a little emotional hearing you tell that story about Jerry because it just shows what type of person he is. And I also feel like maybe he took the time to stay there with you because he felt like the show was coming to an end and he just really wanted to take in every moment. But he took, he took the time with, you know, another person and, yeah. and, and what everyone else could easily say, an insignificant one scene person. Right. You know, it'd be easy to dismiss me and, and know that I'm thrilled to be on the show and I'm getting paid and I'd sign a resume and, and know that that's enough. I mean, everybody could say that. That's enough. He got there. He got around us. But for him to treat it like, no, no, you're a person. Therefore, you get this treatment because that's how I treat people. It said to me, I mean, it's why I watch comedians in cars. I watch and I think, yep. That's that guy. That's exactly how he is when he sits with people and his opinions are straight. And he's, a, yep, that's who he is. Yep, yep, yep. He's a, just a, a sweet guy. But it's a um, it's the thing that ruins Hollywood for you. 
because once you get a dose of that, you wonder why everyone else is such a prick. <laughs> and you mentioned it before, but you got to watch them rehearse and yeah. and and all that. Uh, is there a particular scene you really enjoyed watching or a particular actor that you liked watching perform or rehearse their scenes? Well, yeah, I liked how Michael Richards and I think um, Jason was in it, too. Um, there was just a go for broke on every take. And the writers stood there and giggled and walked in and touched and nudged and said, how about this? And no one said, don't touch, don't walk. You know, I, I, let me try to everyone, you know, talking. OK, let's try it again. Step back. And they did it again. And there was just this let's go for broke. And they would giggle to each other and break, you know, up. The thing. But that fun of it made you want to just get in the scene. You just thought, oh, that's 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 exactly every actor's dream. Just we have a script, but it's damn near improv. It's so it's so collaborative. Wow, that's great. Talk, talk, talk back up. Let's try it again. Um, and that's it. I just remember him coming in. I don't remember what the scene was about uh, necessarily. I think I remember what scene you're talking about. It's when he spills the soda and then he says right after that, what, you got a maid? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That, I don't think that was written. Yeah, I don't think that's that was written. I, I think they made that up on the spot. Yeah. Didn't he have to get a book? He had to get a he had to get a book or something. Right. And. I think the line in the script was and Jerry said, how are you going to get him to do that? And and Jerry and uh, uh, George's line was, I'm going to tell him that the man that did that killed my father. And Jerry goes rock solid. And then they went and it didn't end up in this in the story, you know, in the actual filming. They came up with something else. And I thought what they came up with was funnier. But when I read that, I thought, that's them. And that's funny. He killed my, it's so silly. Rock solid. You know, that I can hear it. I can hear how they're going to do it. Oh, that's a funny scene. Um, but that's all I really remember. I'd have to get the script out and actually I have to find the script and get it out. Uh, it's here somewhere. My daughter's a big fan of the show. So I, I told her she could have it. Nice. You know, <laughs> one signature short, but. Um, did you interact with Jason at all? Do you have any stories about him? I don't. I don't. I didn't really. I knew him from before, just from being around. We, um, I auditioned against him and around him in New York in the early days, and then just, I don't know, socially around in in events or something. So I sort of knew him as a hey, 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 how you doing? You know that sort of thing. But no, I didn't really rehearse or, or watch him for very long, except that one scene. I didn't. I didn't hang around, and I didn't go to the taping. I was distracted by something, but. Um, I also didn't want to feel like a clinger's on. I really, I really didn't. There's a, you know, there's a weird thing about actors. If you're not working and you're hanging around the set, it means you're desperate. And it's not altogether true. This is fun to do this and be here. But there is this stereotype of what are you doing here? You're not working. If you're hanging around, it must be because you're trying to network or you're trying to get a, a favor with a writer to make, you know, a little more writing for you or you, you want to be a director, so you're going to sit there and throw suggestions and hope they know it. that stuff. So you stay away from it. Stay away from it. You just want to be a good citizen, do your job. and leave. So I didn't uh, spend as much time there as I probably wanted to out of decorum, out of worry about how I would look uh, as, as, a, as an actor whose job was done. You know, stay for an appropriate amount of time. But if you go back the next day to watch rehearsal, because you can, and the next day, and, and he, I had tickets to the taping. I had it all. But Tapings are really boring once you've done a few of them. There's no way you can sit through a taping. They're incredibly boring. That show, of course, probably moved along quick, but I just did, never went to tapings. Um, having done so many of them, I wasn't going to sit through one I had to watch. You know, when you're in them, they're boring. Uh, 
when you're having to watch them, they're double boring for me. So I did not go. I might have given my seats to somebody. I can't remember. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you went because that was the last episode they filmed on the soundstage before the finale because the next episode was the Puerto Rican day. So that was an entirely remote shoot. I didn't. So. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> I, didn't go, yeah. I didn't go watch it. No, no. Do you have a favorite memory from that week? I think it's the importance I felt when I arrived. I think that was the greatest, the greatest part of it for me. I mean, getting the job was a great memory, but of the actual shooting, just the um, acceptance and warmth and you know gratitude of the of this show that I was there. Uh, that's that's my favorite memory. How everybody treated everybody. Um, and then yeah, making Jerry laugh. Holy smokes, making making hearing hearing my stuff and 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 you know holding back on turning to him, going that was for me, right? That you laughed at me. Yeah. That, oh my God, that's so cool. Uh, you know, holding back on that. There's this little thrill that goes through you. You just made that guy because he's made me laugh so many times. You know, to think that uh, it got reciprocated is massive. You know, to my ego, massive. It's still, I hold it up as one of you know three top compliments I've ever gotten as an actor. It's really, really big for me. So besides Julia, if you could go back and perform with one of the other cast members, who would it be and why? Well, I would have to say uh, I'd, I'd want to do a scene with Jerry. I'd want to do a scene, um, yeah, where I get to um, just pick him apart and have him worry or have him defend himself and have me just, you know, slowly grind him into, you know, total uh, – insecurity you know so that later in his apartment he can be doing the i don't know what it was he just made me he made me crazy and i i, I, I he didn't say anything and i was still i was begging him for any he, he intimidated me he didn't say he didn't raise his voice he didn't raise his voice he just intimidated me <laughs> i think that would be i think that would have been funny to just because i could just see his eyes as he's worried about why he's not doing well by me and me just you know sternly ah i'm making that up as i say that to you but i think that would be something like that I think it would be something like that. Yeah, but you're right. First would be a longer scene with Julia, then Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before we let you go, we're just going to get into our final segment. It's called This, That, and the Other. Basically, we just ask you a question, and the first thing that comes to mind, you let us know. Okay. So first question, what role or performance are you proudest of? Um, Biloxi Blues. What is your favorite film? Rocky. Favorite actor you've ever worked with? Uh, yeah, there's a big tie there. Wow. Um, Aiden Quinn, Michael Keaton, Jerry Hall. Um, this is probably longer, but um, um, those are the first three that come to me. They were just, they were just great. They were just really good to me and really great. Favorite band or musician? Oh, favorite band is easy. You um, two. They're the greatest rock band of all time, and in my eyes. And I know I've heard of this band called the Beatles. I hear they're doing great things, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, I yeah, it would have to be them. Yeah, the Beatles. I heard they're they're up and coming, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they got a couple of tunes that have a nice beat. They're easy to dance to. Yeah, yeah. yeah a few people have given us that answer. You know, well, I got to check them out one day. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what actor or director would you like to work with someday 
Yeah, that again, that's a long list. But I will say I would like to work with Ang Lee. I don't know why. He just seems to nail it. I mean, I'd like to work with Scorsese just to say I know what it was to be on a set with him. But I think Ang Lee, um, Paul Thomas Anderson, and um, um, the other guy, uh, uh, Payne, Alexander Payne, I think they just make the cleanest movies. I think their movies are just great. Oh, you know what? Sorry. Almodovar. The Spanish, the Spanish, I think his movies are, I mean, I don't speak Spanish. I don't know how it would go, but Pedro Almodovar, I think he's just remarkable. But the other three, you know, American or English speaking guys, um, I think they would be fantastic. And um, certainly Jennifer Lawrence, I think that would be pretty terrific to work with her because she's just perfect. I think her work is just dead perfect. Um and I'd like to do a big film with Michael Keaton. I think he's great, and we are friends, but he's just dynamite. That would be um, that'd be really, you know, like a full, no Marvel. I don't need to do any any superhero. I'd just like to do a straight drama thing where people tell stories. I think that'd be great fun. Who was the biggest influence in your career starting out? Well, you know, great question. Um, there were two teachers. When I was in high school, I tried out for the musical, having never, ever tried out for anything ever before. As a senior, I walked in and my sister said, come audition for um, West Side Story because we need guys and you're tall. You'll get a good part. So uh, I didn't want to do it because I wanted to play basketball, but I got cut and I was brokenhearted. And it was the same day. I got cut the same day, walked down the hall. There's my sister. She says, come on, audition, audition. I walk in, I fumble through singing a song with an accompaniment. I never did it before. I get done. And this man named uh, Ted Cluse says, where have you been? Why don't I know you? How come this is the first time I'm seeing you in four years? Where have you been? And that was this moment of, wow, somebody wants me to do something in high school. Everybody told me to get out of here. But, you know, here's this guy. And the second was when I went after that senior year, I went to community college in um, Bucks County, Pennsylvania, where I grew up. And I went to community college and I went to the acting program and I, you know, was doing the exercises and doing the things and feeling like, uh, you know, OK, I kind of like this. I really liked how it felt on stage. But, you know, I'm doing these exercises and a teacher who wasn't my teacher named Sharon O'Reilly. She I didn't you know she was just she taught the upper classes. I was, you know, acting one and and she in, you know pulled me aside and said, you don't belong here. You're better than this. You're going to go to the neighborhood playhouse. I'm going to write you the letter. It's the best school in New York. And Sandy Meisner has never graduated anyone who wasn't ready to go to work the next day. So that's where you belong. You're going to write the application and pay the fee. And I'm going to write you the recommendation letter. And I was thrown because I didn't know this woman. I knew of her from the department, but she wasn't. Why? She was watching me. I didn't get it. But I did what she said. I got into the neighborhood playhouse. I studied there for two years with Mr. Meisner directly, and it started my career. But I never went back to the community college to say thanks to Sharon O'Reilly. I just did what actors do and went on and talked about my glory because, you know, I got out of the playhouse and about a year and a half later, I got Biloxi Blues, my first big movie. And I was just, you know, Mr. Ego. And I feel bad. I never and I hope that she or someone listening to this hears this and gets my because i've said it to the gods many times i'm so sorry sharon you really helped me and you absolutely pushed me in the absolute right direction 
and in my you know naivete and arrogance didn't know what to make of it at the time but you did what teachers do uh and you did it well and thanks so much so those two were my my big influences first for saying you know welcome we, we want you here and second for her saying you don't belong here you belong here and off and running i was wow it's a great story and final thing favorite moment of your career so far oh not gonna believe it because it's so subtle uh two summers ago maybe three now um i did a summer play and it was a kids theater play with my daughter and my daughter was um uh 14 something at the time in this kids play and there was one adult role and uh, of course you know i auditioned with her for this community theater summer kids show and i said uh you know we're a package because i can't really drive her all the way here and back just for her to rehearse and you know but so i told the director we're a package and um you take us both or you don't uh worried that they'd want me the professional and you know want someone else for her role and uh, i'd have to of course turn it down and she, she says to me, well, yes, you turn it down. But if they hire me, you're driving me. And, and, and I don't care if you get the part. And I said, we're a package. She said, no, we're, we're only a package. If you get hired with it. But if I get hired, we're not a package. So, but I got to be uh, I got to do I forget how many performances, six or ten with my daughter. And it was every dad's dream. And she was great. And we got to go on stage together and do this show. And uh, that was really, you know, but professionally. Yeah, I would say the high point was, uh, yeah, I think when I started out in Biloxi, it was just so exciting to be, um, it's a big movie, big budget, huge director, huge stars. And Chris Walken was a hero. Mike Nichols was God, you know, in filmmaking. And Matt Broderick is as good as they get in that thing that he does with, you know, Neil Simon and Ferris Bueller was the summer before. And he's massive. And he was just so gracious to me. And the enormity of it all. It was just a great thing to get. And it's three months of filming. So you just learn, learn, learn. It's, you know, film school in, uh, in all in one. And the director was just um, this brilliant guy who could handle everything. So I started out with this massive moment and uh, everything since has been measured up against it because it was so everything was great about it. Well, this was a lot of fun, Marcus. Thank you so much for joining us today. I will never forget the stories you told us today. This was oh, awesome. That's really flattering. I appreciate you guys inviting me and finding, chasing me down and finding it. It's really flattering. And I'm, I'm really glad that you do things like this, that A, people do it. But you too. I mean, it's your time and energy and your friends and you sit in your, I'm really because you will pull dialogue out of people that, you know, fans of the show or interested parties will never get otherwise. And so you guys got to put in a lot of effort and energy to make that happen. And so my compliments to you for having that you know, perseverance and guile in doing it. Um, so thanks for including me. And I, uh, I hope that this, uh, you know, adds to the cash of your many, many episodes and fills out the Seinfeld folklore because it deserves it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, those stories that you told us are amazing. And this was definitely one of the best interviews that we've done for sure. So thank you so much for thanks. all the information and just, you know, like we say, even though you only had the one scene, just very short, but you did such a fantastic job with it. And it's just, it doesn't matter. You know, you're part of the Seinfeld lexicon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good cachet. 
That's good cachet. I, I, every once in a while, I'll get recognized for that role. I was in um, St. Louis at the Arch, and I was going to the Arch, and the National Park Guard that was checking me in said, you dumped Elaine, didn't you? <laughs> I said, my God, you have a good eye. I have gray hair now. He says, oh, no, I watch that every night with my girlfriend. She's not going to believe it. Can I get a picture? Yeah, we can have a picture. So it, it's, you know, it happens. It's real devotees. But I mean, what would that guy, how does that guy look at people? Is everybody in his world, is he hoping that, you know, cast members walk through the monument? Because I was in St. Louis. I mean, the odds <laughs> of him and me being, but he didn't, I mean, no hesitation. No, um, did you, but he just, you dumped a lick. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was quite funny. Yeah, he was great. Oh, that's great. Well, thanks again, Marcus. Uh, we hope you have a great night. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Uh, nice. Take care. Yeah, no, no, you're terrific. Thanks for making this so easy on me and, and enjoyable. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at theplacetobeseinfeld at gmail.com. You can also find our show on Facebook at The Place to Be, a Seinfeld podcast, Twitter at TPTB Seinfeld and Instagram at the place to be dot podcast. You can find our show on anchor, Spotify, Google podcasts, breaker, pocket casts, radio public and Apple podcasts. And if you'd like, please rate and review. It really helps us out until next time. Be sure to hang up your pants for the perfect crease. Well, you got a maid.